Hi, thank you for tuning in. Welcome to the latest episode of Unspun, a podcast by Population. This week, we're going to talk about power dynamics and the unequal distribution of risk and reward with Sok Priyayan, also known as Sreyon, and Rachel Fowler of Tonelay. This is part one of a two-part series. Don't go away. We'll be right back after the break. Welcome to Unspun, a podcast by Population, unraveling what's holding us back from regeneration and liberation in the fashion and home industries. I'm Lauren Hill. I'm Catherine Tedrow. And I'm Danielle Arzaga. And this week, we're excited to talk to Sreyon, operations manager turned business partner at Tonle. Today, we're speaking with Sreyon about the experiences of garment workers in Cambodia and what has changed in the wake of the pandemic. She provides an invaluable perspective into the need for shared responsibility in the garment value chain through her experience working at a revolutionary company like Tonle. Hi, Srayon. Hi, Rachel. How are you guys? Hi. Hi. Thanks for joining us today. We're really excited to talk to both of you. So just to kick us off, we're hoping, Srayon, if you could just tell us a little bit more about uh, garment manufacturing in Cambodia. Garment manufacturing is the largest employer in Cambodia, Mm -hmm. and it accounts for up to 80 to 95% of exports in the country. Tell us more about the industry there. First, I want to introduce myself. My name is Rayon. I work in Tonlay, and I've been working in Tonlay for five years and a half. And I think that I learned a lot of things in Tonlay. And I think the factory in, we have a lot of the factory, the big factory in Cambodia. Like uh, so many rules, they have so many like uh, things like, uh, okay, when you go to when first you start with the working, you have like a three-month probation and the, the key people like take advantage for you. If you don't know like how to sew, if you don't like have no skill, they just like, okay, you have three-month probation, they have like a six-month six probation. And you even have like a year probation. Yeah, they do like a extra overtime from 14 hours to 16 hours and some worker who work until, up until like overnight, something like that. So a lot of things that the uh, worker been working like uh, hard and they never get paid like uh, right. Said so that the fast fashion that it really like uh, pollution to the environment. They never thinking about like uh, the waste. They never concerned about like all the waste. They just like okay, this collection is gone. So I just like throw this one like away in the market. You know, with not using like those at all and also they don't use it at all they just like we have like the market like to keep all this trust from like the big factory here in Phnom Penh at the Bangsaya one that we it nearby the airport so yeah I think it's kind of a lot of things that thing that with like not only like uh, the fabric or whatever but also like the work it's interesting because I think that across the world, whether you have a factory in Phnom Penh or in Los Angeles, garment workers are struggling for different rights, whether that's around overtime, like you mentioned, or wages. I'm curious, in Phnom Penh and in Cambodia at large right now, what are the rights that are the most important to workers right now that people are fighting for? I think for the right worker, I would say that the worker right freedom 
for them. Freedom and free labor, employment, like discrimination, and they also also like they need to be working like from six or eight hours in a day. You know, they also need like have like the annually to have like the minimum wage and also occupation like healthy and the safe for the employment protection. Thanks for sharing. We were also curious who you think is responsible for making sure those rights are upheld and respected. For me, I think would would say that the the factory or the brand and also part like of the law to, you know, like I would say that the law, the government, you know what, like because like when something that come like happen to the worker, I was saying that in Cambodia said that uh, the company is always right. So I mean like uh, the worker always get less care from like the government. So I think the brain and the government also like the, the factory. Add a little bit to that. I think the Cambodian government is definitely has a lot of challenges, but they're also under a lot of pressure because, you know, these big, they know like these big brands can just go to another country if they increase the minimum wage. And so the government is in, actually they're in a challenging spot. And I don't like to make excuses for the Cambodian government because they have lots of problems, but, you know, they brought a lot of manufacturers to Cambodia by having low wages. And then, you know, when they try to raise the wages, they know the brands will just go somewhere else to manufacture. And even, you know, a lot of the factories in Cambodia are actually Chinese run and they are factories that used to produce in China, but the wages got too high in China. So the same factory managers came over to Cambodia and set up their factories in Cambodia. And now those same companies are saying, well, it's getting too expensive. Well, why don't we just go to Ethiopia where there's no minimum wage? And I've heard people in the apparel industry say that. So at the end of the day, I personally do think that the brand's do bear a lot of responsibility for that because they are just trying to get away with like whatever they can get away with. And the factories are kind of in a tough spot because they can't. And I I do think like the factory owners need to take responsibility, but they are also in a tough spot because they can't just kind of up and leave the same way that the brands can. Yeah. It's important to think about. And I'm curious, you mentioned in your answer that it, it didn't seem like there was only one group of people who's responsible for workers' rights, not just factories or brands or the government, but maybe all of them. Do you see that everyone needs to participate in ensuring that workers' rights are upheld and respected? Yeah, I think so. I think so. I think there need to be like, you know, have like a, I mean, like when I talk about like the worker, they they really, for them, they just need to be like, have the fair work. And everything just like uh, what they're working, like uh, the company or the brand, the brand, it will pay them like right, you know. So I think that they need to be, yeah, like you said, that they need to be like working well together. And it's interesting because I think that part of this dynamic where, you know, we, there maybe is not agreement in the industry around who is responsible but at the end of the line, there are people who are impacted, which are workers, that we saw that very clearly during the pandemic, not just in Cambodia, but in supply chains across the world. In Cambodia specifically, that there were over 100 factories that were shut down, leaving thousands, tens of thousands of workers unemployed. And similar in many other countries where there were manufacturers producing 
for brands. And I think that that really demonstrated that there's not equal risk in the supply chain. I think maybe the workers across the world have most of the risk and then factories and then these apparel brands who are all over the world and are able to cancel their orders. I'm curious if you think that with the awareness that's been brought on with the pandemic, if the industry is going to address that problem of how can we share responsibility to address these issues, the the things that are impacting workers in a negative way. You might be able to simplify the question too. Um, the, the pandemic just made everything worse. I mean, especially because so many workers were uh, put out of work and it seemed like everyone in the industry was starting to look at the problem in a different way because it was just so extreme during COVID. And maybe just to start off, would it be okay if we asked you like, what has the last year looked like? Was there, was there anyone in your family affected? Were there friends or people around you in your community that was affected by COVID and specifically brands canceling orders or what ripple effect that had kind of in the community? Last year, we've been like really had time for us. Also part, like, because we got a cancel order from, like you're saying, that we got the cancel order all. And we've been, like, already, like, you know, like, produce and everything and the client cancel and we cannot, like... I think that also, like, frustrated for the, the company too because, like, they can sell the order and then the company unable to pay, like, uh, the way to the worker. But this one, I would say that uh, for the... Factory have like a cancel order. So what they do is they just like close. They just close the company. And I would say that some worker they have like the salary, but some they not have like a full of the salary. You know. But to say in in Tonle, we also got affected like uh, losing like uh, all the order. And during the time, we also like sending people to work from home, even though we still pay people, you know, full wage, like full minimum wage to the worker. Even like the company who really struggling with like uh, canceling order. And also like talk about like the factory, like the owner, it really need to be responsibility. And then she really does. And she's been working so hard to get us like together. I think that it really like difficult time. It's not like only affect like the company, but also like people living, they're really like getting losing like the job. Even me, I really getting like losing the job, but we're so lucky that we working hard together and we've been through this timing. So I think now it seems like it's almost like everything come back to normal. Thank you for, for sharing that with us. I love how you talked about how Tonle is so different, how you have such a an intimate relationship as a manufacturer and a brand. I mean, even as a business model, that's really fascinating. And in the, you know, apparel supply chain, it's basically revolutionary. So we are wondering what you think makes you different. You talked a little bit about it, but tell us more, because I know you wanted to launch into that in the beginning and we made you talk about all the problems in the industry for a, a while, but what are the solutions and how are you part of it? What's different about, about Tonelay? Yeah, yeah. I just like uh, to say that the company, like uh, the factory and Tonelay is so much different 
first, like we also, uh, we really like uh, concerned about like the environment and pollution, also like the worker right, you know. I mean, like uh, the fast fashion compared like uh, the, we, we would say that we are the slow fashion, we are the slow fashion, all our design is really concerned about the waste. Or like our collection in every year, we including with like the hand woven. But to compare with the fast fashion, they, they're not really like a concern with any about the waste. You know, they just do whatever that they, they think that, okay, they can do and anything that can make them faster, whatever is kind of like pollution or whatever, they just like uh, do it, you know, it's so, so different. Rachel, you want to add anything in? And I think the other thing with the slow fashion too, like why why is it slow fashion? Like it actually, I think in the workshop, it's more like it is a community feeling, like even the fact that, you know, the sewing machines, people face each other and you can hear people when you're upstairs, you can hear people laughing downstairs while they're sewing and talking. And that's really different than a traditional factory. We also providing like a skill for like to have a chance to learn like something new. And also we also give them like opportunity to be like, bring them up to be a leader. It's so much different like from like, uh, we, we try to like build people like inside. To illustrate that point, you know, in the traditional factories, um, most of the management are males and they're foreign, mostly foreigners as well. And most of the workers are Cambodian women. And so, and in addition to that, they're usually like long assembly lines where people come in and they only do one, you know, one thing all the time. And there's no incentive structure to actually incentivize people to want to learn new skills. First of all, because they see like I'm never going to become a leader. I'm never going to be promoted into management. So there's no incentive to even try. And secondly, there's no training to actually teach you how to make different parts of a garment. So the fact that within our workshop that people like actually learn how to make an entire garment, they move around to different teams. You know, sometimes they're like each day they're working on something different that is very radically different from a factory. <laughs> and so when we you know, we're talking about promoting leadership internally. It's it's literally like something that does not happen in the traditional factory context. And it's really important to our business as well, because when people are invested in the products that they make and they're enjoying working on those products and they're learning something and they're having fun while they're doing it and they feel challenged and motivated, you know, you end up with a better quality product that you can't make in a factory. So, you know, I think that there's, you know, it's not just about, oh, we're giving people jobs, we're giving people skills. It's actually about building a business model that's mutually beneficial for everyone. And I'm curious, Rayon, as you come into your partnership at Tone Lay, what are you really excited to build on and expand upon in the work that you're already doing? Now I have like two things that uh, it's not just only like uh, me, also like the company, like I really, we, we really want to feel like uh, more people and to be like in like a more skills. I think we also, we, we really like looking on, kind of like thinking like a lot of way, like to use it, like make something like, turn it something to a new thing, you know? Do you mind telling yeah. us, Rayon, I know you started at the company in a different place and you've worked there for a long time now and are now becoming a partner. Can you tell us about that story, how that happened? I've been working uh, also like the previous job for like a, Two years or something, two or three years, and I've been after like I finished like a 
the bachelor's, but I would only like working for about like uh, five months or something like that. And I don't like the environment at all. So it's just like I saw that Tunle posting in the website to looking for accountant. So that's I applied for the job for actually is accountant. I would say that uh, the company is always like giving me, giving me like an opportunity to me. So like I work like for a year, you know, to be like accountant, then I have a chance to learn something with production. And because like I love, like I love to know that how the clothes that made. So I've been like really curious all these things and I've been learning with production. Then I also like I have a chance to learn with like the stock controlling and about like the fabric and like also like with the technical one, it's not I'm learning, but it's just like to be translating. But when you put you on in it, like translate every day, it makes me like feeling like so interesting and that like relate with everything. So I think that is make me like, you know, maybe like I get into it and I love it. That's why that I able to be like uh, the co-creator. I would say that <laughs> to be a partner utterly. <laughs> I imagine having an a- accountant's mind that you yeah. bring that technical skill. I mean, this is such a highly technical way to de- design and manage production of garments. So I imagine your skill and in, in, in your mind is very important to be being the manager. I'm just curious, who are the other people that you kind of manage alongside with in the production house and I think like I've been working in Tunle for like five years and a half now. I think that alongside, I would say that uh, almost everyone actually, because they've been working really like uh, early than me. I think so. So who are, well, who are some of the people you work with? The most people that I work with, I would say that uh, for now, I would say that, uh, that me, Dara, and also Ray, yeah. Because I had to deal with like a technical, is Ray, she working as the technical design, also with the pattern making. And also that me, when I said that Nis, he is a fabric uh, stock controller. He the one that who go to the market to find all the fabric in the market. And yeah, I think he the number one that I dealing with him every day every minute i would say that <laughs> because like i had to like uh, know to put something into production so it think that first is always come from him you know when start like so everything that the fabric is start from him and then like the one that i deal with is uh, also like dara dara she is a team leader of the sewer and she also like a helping with the sampling too and she also like helping with like a uh, production a lot to like organize like uh, okay which one is the most priority which one we need to put like into production and i would say that australia australia is a stock controller see a final like a like a every like close the final one who ship out to the client yeah she basically manages the whole process so you can see from like design <laughs> to fabric sourcing to production to like shipping the item to the client <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a huge process. I mean, as Kat mentioned, we, we worked with my family's company for a while 
and they had not even 100% of manufacturing in-house. It was maybe 50 when we were there and not as complicated of a production. And so I can only imagine like having that snapshot of the challenges of managing inventory. And then you're adding on the complexity of your business model with how you source and what you're trying to do is really amazing. And you almost forgot Sa. Yeah, actually Sa. Yeah, also Sa. I think you forgot on purpose. (laughs) He's the head of the weaving. The weaving center, they have about like, I think they have like people more than here about like a 30 something, I would say that, because they, they kind of like a big group too. And they really helping us with like uh, the handwoven fabric. So our process is uh, when we have a scrap and we have like also like the in every collection we have the handwoven handwoven style. So Rachel who did the design. So when Rachel designed, Rachel would drop us them to working on the sample first. And then after like the sample is really confirmed and I need to send them like to scrap out the fabric for them to working on. And the thing is they really did like a, a really great job and they're super nice. Yeah, they, they're really nice people. Like also the mostly people who, who do there is the ritual, how to set that the proper word, right? Um, people with disabilities. Or oh, disabilities. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah people who disability. It's pretty cool. This So they were already set up as a cooperative before we started working with them, but they were actually weaving like a lot of silk products before and the market for silk really decreased and they were having a hard time finding work. And their cooperative is like in the middle of the countryside and they were really affected by the war. And so that area was still like in the war zone until the, like early to mid nineties. And a lot of people in that region have disabilities from landmine accidents. So the weaving center was actually set up in a way that's very accessible and all the looms are designed, you know, for them and all the equipment is designed for them in a way that's accessible. But, you know, it's been pretty pretty eye-opening because in Cambodia like things are really not very accessible overall. And so when we've gone on retreats, we do, we do team retreats and it's been really hard because like a lot of the places that we've gone have not been accessible for people. Like Cambodia has one of the highest rates of disability, like of any country because of the war. But this particular workshop is really beautifully, is really beautifully set up. And so we were just, it's been, you know, really wonderful to be able to work with them. And, you know, they still have their, they're still run independently, but we're kind of like their main client at this point. So it's sort of like a little bit in between like they're kind of still independent, but still also like a bit part of our team. So it's sort of like uh, somewhere in the middle. <laughs> I mean, partnering with the Weaving Center, having this completely different model to go outside of your brand to do even slower fashion than you're doing in your own manufacturing site. You all, you're doing so much across materials. I'm curious if there's just any last things you want to say, Sreon, about the way you manage your work, the way the people uh, come into work, what what you want people to hear about Tone Lane, how how revolutionary it really is. I think that uh, what I want people to hear, like from Tone Lane, first I would say that uh, about like how I, I want people to know that how the processing of like we 
be uh, been like uh, to create the brain and to be like uh, more sustainability, you know, the process like to making just one product, it really took like the whole processing of like uh, the whole people in the workshop. It's not just like, okay, this one is uh, done. And uh, really like uh, one product in making it is like a whole processing. And especially with like the hand woven style, this one is really, it really like uh, too much of work for us. I kind of, like, I would say that it's a lot, a lot of job for us. And I just want people to like understand more and like, you know, it really like uh, understand that how people in Funlay and like how our brand like does for. And um, what's the number one question you would want to ask a U.S. or European brand in the industry right now? I think that you know, like to compare like ASEAN, like uh, in the Europe, I would say that uh, the Europe will have we have like a high knowledge than us, you know. So I think they would know much more about like the sustainability. So my question is like how the sustainability like mean to them. And they are also one more thing that they ever concern like uh, the brand uh, turn to like the sustainability. <laughs> it's I'm, just like a question. <laughs> I want to make sure I understood. Was it, was yeah. part of your answer that they kind of should know better <laughs> and they're, they don't? Yeah, I mean, you know, like, because, like, in, uh, what I mean is, like, because, like, uh, in Cambodia, is a lot of, like, uh, pollution. So, it kind of, like, a lot of, of brand, the big brand, they just, like, okay, I don't care. It's not my account, like, uh, a big brand. It was thinking, like, okay, it never do, like, with their account. developing country. So, whatever that uh, invested, like, comes. So, we have, like, uh, the government have to, like, uh, do it for them. It's just like we live in one, uh, you know, so I just thinking that uh, if we, everyone like thinking like more about like uh, the sustainability, the environment, the pollution, and also like uh, the fair work to the workers, like we know that a lot of like the big brand, they never like, uh, they just don't care. It's just like, oh, I have like a lot of the partner. I don't care. I yeah, and I agree. I agree, so I own it's it's really horrible that these countries that have more money and more power, and theoretically they should have knowledge not to do these things, but at the end of the day, they still are putting those problems onto other countries that have more challenges. Yeah. The pollution in Cambodia is very much and you know, a lot of the waste that's being burned, a lot of the textile waste is petroleum and it's being burned. I mean, there's so many layers to it, but I agree. It's it's pretty horrific when you put it that way. Yeah, because like we're living in one earth, you know, like it's the earth die, we all die. Thanks for sharing. Sorry, I feel like we're bringing you on a little bit of an emotional roller coaster of like the lows of the industry, the positives. Now we're coming back down again. So to end on a positive note, the other question that we're going to always ask our guests is, you know, as, as someone yourself, Srayon, who's doing incredible work in the industry, we were curious who you would like to share about who's your unspun hero, who's someone in the industry. I will say that Rachel, she really like, uh, she really inspired me to be honest. It's really like uh, incredible, like people, she really, really like work 
even like uh, the design and everything. I mean, like really working hard with this uh, this uh, company and the industry. She try to like uh, make sure like uh, everything you know well, and she really like uh, care about like people because like today I would say that we more like a family. We like really like helping each other. We all we always give like the positive way to like each other. That Rachel, she really like working hard, and she always like uh, in the front line. Whenever like uh, we facing anything, she always the first one who facing. And yeah, she's so inspire me. She's super strong woman. I had a feeling you might do that, Sreya. And I have a feeling I know Rachel's unspun hero already too. But no, I, I think that's wonderful. And we really, really appreciate you coming onto the show. And you know, as we build our audience, I think your voice will be heard more and more in the sustainable fashion space, and hopefully beyond into the industry at large, because. You have a lot of important perspective to share, and what you were getting to at the end and throughout the show is really important. Brands are a big leverage point in the system, and it's it's important for them to hear from insiders in the industry that they need to step up and take responsibility because it's kind of a, a missing link right now. Thank you so much for sharing your perspective and joining us today. And Rachel, thanks for being here too. And well, I could not do this without Sway Own, just to make this 100% clear. One of the things that always inspired me about Sway Own, I tell her this all the time, but I think she is a person who's always willing to like learn and try something new. And that's why like when I first met her, when she was really young, I was like, wow, this, this person is really inspiring and she's going to do great things because she's always willing to try something and to go out on a limb and put herself out there. Even if it doesn't work out, she just keeps trying and she keeps finding the new way to do it. And it's just a very impressive quality. Tonle, I think I very much is a community it is a community project. It is something that has been built by so many people contributing and doing, you know, amazing things. And in fact, it's so much more beyond me, you know, it's grown beyond me, which I just love because I think that it's something that can only be done by a group, you know? Well, your mutual appreciation for each other is really beautiful. And I think a testament to the partnership that you've created that that really only comes out of that sort of relationship. So thanks again for joining us. It was really a privilege and a pleasure to get to speak with you, Srayon, and hear your perspective on the industry. Thank you so much. Thank you for having us and for having this, you know, for asking the the big questions as well. Our pleasure. We'll talk to you soon. Thank you both. Bye. Thanks for listening to another episode of Unspun and for joining the conversation to create a new vision for the future of fashion and home. Huge thanks to this week's guest, Sokpriya Yan, for sharing her perspective on the industry. You can follow Tonle on IG at Tonle Design. To join the conversation, leave us a comment. To learn more about us, follow us on IG at We Are Population or visit our website, wearepopulation.com. Unspun is produced by Population, and mixed and edited by Compost Media Flow. Our theme music is by Richie Quake and cover art by Ryan Welch Designs. You can find us on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts.